and welcome to Side of Design from BWBR, a podcast where we discuss all aspects of design with knowledge leaders from every part of the industry, all with the side of design. I'm Coral Digitano, your host for this episode. This is part two of two regarding BWBR Plus and advisory services. In part one, we discussed the high-level approach of what drove the initiation of these services. In this podcast, we're going to dive deeper into how these services can be applied on a more practical basis to help our clients. Now, if you listen to the last episode, you may remember that Brandon is a senior strategic facility advisor here at BWBR. He comes with two decades of strategic and tactical experience working with healthcare institutions, commercial real estate developers, and organizations charged with building new facilities. Prior to joining BWBR, Brandon managed planning, design, and construction for UW Health, and then he was regional director of planning, design, and construction for SSM Health, Wisconsin. With 26 years of experience, Jason Nordling understands the unique elements associated with designing and implementing medical components. During his 19 years at BWBR, he's devoted 90% of his time to healthcare projects and has forged long-term relationships with major regional healthcare systems throughout Nebraska, Minnesota, and South Dakota. Brandon and Jason, good to have you both here today for part two. Hey, Coral. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to be here. Thank you. Good. Well, should we dig in? Let's do it. All right. Jason, I know you work primarily with BWBR's healthcare sector, but in general, do you think architects are being asked to do more than just design buildings these days? I think that's true. I I don't know if we're being consciously asked to do more than just design, but I think there's certainly a need to do more than that to provide other things than just planning and design for our clients. Mm-hmm. So recently we completed a pretty significant addition or remodeling for a healthcare client in Western Nebraska. At the outset of the project, we asked them for their existing facility information and we were handed many, many sets of drawings ranging from the original building that was constructed in the 1970s all the way up to their most recent edition in the mid-2000s. Wow. Yeah, that's a, it was a lot, right? You're, you're getting a trove of stuff that now you need to somehow make into a cohesive whole so that we can do our best work moving mm-hmm. forward. So we suggested to them, let's create a comprehensive updated AutoCAD background, everything up to date, And then when the new project planning and design is done, we'll incorporate that as well. And in the end, that was super useful uh, to them for a variety of reasons, not the least of which was their cost report. And just to extend upon that, Jason, I found from the facility director side, not having consistent plans that are an accurate representation of what you have just makes life so much more difficult, not just for working with architects on projects, but understanding existing space from a facility maintenance management standpoint, from a uh, use and utilization standpoint. And like you said, interacting with accounting or finance to be able to report on which department has what space, or in some cases, which entity has what space. It's just really difficult because these organizations have dozens, if not hundreds of facilities that they acquire over many, many years, different ages, And uh, unless you have a consistent set of documents to really understand that, it's just really difficult to know how to approach anything having to do with your space. So I can see and, and, and did see many instances where pushing the reset button and working with a firm like BWBR to consolidate these plans in a consistent, simple way provides a ton of value to be able Mm -hmm. to really approach the portfolio in a consistent, organized fashion. Yeah, not only that, but now that we're using Revit, you know, a parametric modeling, a BIM model to 
capture a lot of this information. You know, data is is power, and so we're we're able to have a lot more data informing things than we ever have before. So that's that's a significant part of of uh, the, that effort as well. Actually, with that same client, a few years after we we finished the build, they called us up and and asked us about a statement of condition drawings for their facility for their reviews and one of our code gurus roger larson lars as we all lovingly know him uh (laughs) was able to walk into their facility and and basically walk through in a day with uh, the backgrounds that we had and he created the documents they would need for the state department of health and other facility reviewers he could see where code things had changed over time you know you could look at that and say, okay, we no longer need a firewall here, or we no longer need a dampers in this location. Mm-hmm. And it, it allowed them to have the understanding of places where they could maybe downgrade some of the construction. And especially when it comes to dampers, now, now there's less stuff to be uh, checking in and certifying on an annual basis. And it just saves them time and maintenance. That's so key. That's so valuable. I can see, again, from from the other side of the table, there's so many requirements to maintain fire dampers and and so much expense. And a lot of times, organizations don't have their own staff. They have to hire an outside vendor to do that. And without taking a look at a higher altitude of what is exactly required for the authority having jurisdiction, you might not know that it's not required to have that smoke damper anymore because that that smoke wall or that fire partition isn't required anymore. It wasn't required five years ago when we put the newest addition on the building. So in in working with Lars, I totally agree, Jason. He takes a really close, in-depth look at these facilities with a different eye that can only be gained with the 40 years of experience that he has and can look at it in a layered approach of coming up with a diagram that's appropriate for joint commission reviewers at the State Department of Health but then a different view for the facility and engineering department because they want a deeper understanding that's slightly different than the document that you would share with with a reviewer. Yeah, and as as you pointed out, Lars does an awesome job of getting into the details and seeing the big picture because we can rarely uh, look at just a department. You You do a small addition or something like that, but it always ripples out from there from a, a life safety standpoint. And it impacts other areas. So absolutely. Uh, those all that documentation that we did on the front end just paid dividends when we got to those SOC drawings. We already had the groundwork done. Totally agree. Yeah. Definitely. And Lars was actually uh, featured a couple episodes ago on on a podcast all about codes. So if anybody Perfect. wanted to hear That's more his world. Yeah, more from him, uh, you can go back to that episode and listen. This is really interesting and I'm curious is it just clients with smaller facilities who need our help like this? No, no, it's not. I mean, of course, small clients or, or clients that don't have as many facilities might need more assistance from us because they just don't have the staff and resources to provide that. And we'll continue to be a, a resource for our, our clients with smaller portfolios. But oftentimes we found that our larger clients, they need our help as well. And sometimes that's just the sheer volume of facilities that they're dealing with. It may be that they've acquired a smaller system and they really want to push the reset button on it. But also sometimes, even though they have the human resources to devote to some of these approaches, sometimes they are focused on so many other things. So I would say it's it's small and large clients. And, and just to point out, it's not just the health systems that need our help. 
BWBR works with complex building types. So oftentimes that's science and technology clients and also higher education. Mm -hmm. Both of those markets, in addition to healthcare, usually have large portfolios, diverse facilities over a large geographic area. And so these services can be applied to those markets as well. I do most of my work out in in rural areas. So I, I would just tag on to what, what Brandon said that mm-hmm. the clients, especially in rural facilities or independent facilities, meaning they're not affiliated with a larger system, they can benefit from a lot of the things that, that Brandon is bringing to our organization, whether it be putting the facility documents together, like we just touched on or equipment planning or facility activation services. Those are things that are needed on every project. And quite honestly, our clients, whether it's in healthcare or higher ed or science and technology or other areas, they have very talented staff working in those facilities and very talented facility staff, but they all have day jobs that's related directly to their expertise. Mm-hmm. So anytime we can come in and assist them with the things that we will all need to do a good job of planning and designing their project. That's just what needs to be done. I would say that for the examples I use with equipment planning and facility activation, that's not the highest and best use of their time and abilities. If we can come in and assist with that, in addition to the planning and design, I think it just creates a stronger, more cohesive whole. And I think their project process will just be smoother in general because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And COVID has certainly had a trickle-down effect on reducing staffing and availability. I'm sure that's common across all companies that we're working with these days. Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately, there's been a lot of uh, reduction in staff, and hopefully we're coming out of that. But in an area that we can assist Mm -hmm. with transitions, we can absolutely come in and bolster those departments to help facilities and organizations ramp back up to full speed in the support areas like design and construction engineering and facility support, we have the experience to help our clients do that and and bridge the gap as they ramp back up with resources. Yeah. And I understand many of our projects have very extensive and complicated owner equipment that need to be placed in the building. Can you describe how the equipment planning is going to help with that? I think one of the areas that we can really help is when we're engaged in a project, we have the planners that come to the table and oftentimes they really need to understand the, the complex equipment that goes in that space. So obviously we're asking questions about the size of equipment, its use, its needs for mechanical, electrical, plumbing, how much heat does it output? And our our typical architectural services will include an equipment coordination plan, but equipment planning services goes much deeper and it's very necessary. And a lot of our clients, especially the small ones, just don't have the time and resources. And as Jason mentioned, they have day jobs. Mm -hmm. So we can come in and offer assistance with really approaching a comprehensive equipment planning process. And it's more than just equipment on a floor plan. It's not just a list handed to us from the client. It's a process of inventorying existing equipment. It's meeting with critical stakeholders and subject matter experts of that equipment. We're talking about the end users, department managers, but also the sourcing departments at that organization who, who is actually buying this equipment. And then the the biomedical engineering or health technology management folks, Mm -hmm. we need to interview them to really understand, are there new standards that are coming out for this equipment? Do we need to change manufacturers? Is there new 
new training that's required for the staff to even understand how that new equipment might be picked out and selected. But then gathering estimates and quotes throughout the life cycle of equipment planning, it's, it's really a separate project. Equipment planning needs to run adjacent to the architectural planning and the construction process. And it needs to start really early. I would say schematic design or design development for those of listeners that understand the typical architectural process. Mm-hmm. You really can't start soon enough. And I mean, Jason, I would ask how many projects have have you been involved with or your team's involved with with a client just is not able to keep up with answering questions relative to equipment. And it really dampens our ability to provide architectural services on time. I would guess that that, at least my personal experience, that that would exceed 80 or 90% of of projects, uh, you know. So having the ability to act as an extender for their purchasing department, right, and uh, providing that, I think, would smoothen things out a lot. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes those those things are just because, uh, you know, like in the case of imaging equipment, they're waiting for the latest and greatest piece to come out so that it's not quite as old, you know, right. uh, as mm-hmm. moving it. And sometimes we're moving equipment, which gets uh, a little complicated as well, especially on the imaging side of things or lab equipment, things like that. I've seen the challenge on on our owner's side of things because we're asking them for a tremendous amount of information all at one time with a level of granularity that you described. And, you know, they're used to adding pieces of equipment to departments and things like that. They're generally not used to equipping a whole new addition or model project or, or something like that. And so I think there's something to be said for having somebody who's able to coordinate all of that for them. And along with them, honestly, we, we don't do it in a vacuum right. at all. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned equipment swap outs, and I've been involved with dozens of major medical equipment transitions. And I would say 95% of the time that you're swapping out, whether it be a CT scanner or a nuke bed camera, an MRI, it's going to require significant project support, architecture, construction, because you want that room to be updated as well. It's not just swapping out the equipment. Of course, that's a big part of it. It requires resources that really understand what that equipment does and how it's plugged into the critical building systems. But in this day and age, we also ask ourselves, what is the patient experience in that room while they're receiving that care from that piece of equipment? So really taking a close look at the finishes in the room, how a person or patient feels in that room. We have designers with great experience and exposure to understanding the patient experience, and we can provide a a holistic approach that goes well beyond just swapping out the piece of equipment. Yeah. You want to be able to create those positive distractions uh, for people, especially people who have anxiety about being in small spaces like uh, the bore of an MRI or, or a CT. So mm-hmm. those things are super helpful. The, the other thing I wanted to add to that is sometimes people think it's just about a room and a piece of equipment in you know swapping out that piece of equipment. We did a, a project uh, a number of years ago, uh, adding an MRI to an existing facility in board of their existing facility as part of the renovation. And part of the complication was just figuring out the route 
that the magnet had to take to get to that new spot mm-hmm. and having our structural engineering partners figuring out what that route needed to be and if there were capacity or was capacity built into that floor uh, structure to be able to handle just the travel of it, let alone the the final resting place for that piece of equipment. So it does extend beyond just the room and and that that equipment replacement as well. Definitely. That's a lot of detail to be dealt with there. I don't know if either one of you know this, BWBR Plus webpage is now live on our website and I'm on it right now. So if you go to bwbr.com, you can find it under the expertise tab at the top of the page. Brandon, within the list of services that are available on here on this page, there's a service called facility activation. So I'm guessing that opening a new SNT facility or healthcare inpatient unit isn't as simple as just turning the lights on. Do you want no, to elaborate it, on that a little bit? Yeah, no, no, it's not. And uh, <laughs> I wish I wish it was. As we had talked about, BWBR deals with complex building types, and we spend a great deal of time working with our clients early on in that project to understand the changes that they want to make to the processes, the workflows, the equipment that go into that space. Well, once we go through our design process and the construction process, we get to substantial completion. So the space is ready to be used. There are hundreds of items on a list of things that that building needs to perform for the people in process that are happening in there that need to turn on for the first time. So we're talking about the equipment, but we're also talking about the consumables, the materials that are used in the process in that building. We're talking about the people that need to go in that facility. And then in particular, the workflows. And I would say more often than not, 80% of them are, are new. And while the folks that work in the building are incredibly experienced in their day-to-day jobs. They may have never been involved with opening a new facility. So facility activation planning really takes an organized, comprehensive approach and a process to really thinking about how do we turn on this new facility, whether it be the engineering and critical building systems, but more specifically, the people and processes involved in that facility. One of the areas that needs particular attention is technology. I'll just share an experience with a project that that really drove this home for me. I was involved with a project where we were looking at using flexible space. So basically a universal care unit where during particular times during the operation of this facility, these rooms wanted to be emergency department exam rooms. Mm -hmm. During times where the emergency department wasn't as busy. Those same rooms were being asked to be prep and recovery rooms. So this is something that happens a lot. And I know that Jason can probably speak to it. We're being asked more and more to create these universal experiences because let's face it, these facilities are really expensive. So it's a reasonable question. Mm -hmm. It's an exciting thing to talk about. And so we went through the process of planning for this. And the truth is the difference between a prep and recovery room for uh, an ambulatory surgery experience isn't much different than a emergency department exam room. They're they're pretty similar from a a fit out and uh, equipment standpoint. However, when we got into the project and the design development was really happening, we started to ask questions about how the technology would interact with the room and what, what processes from IT were necessary in order to 
really turn on turn on this project and and make it work. And what we learned was there was a significant um, roadblock in the building of the electronic health record. So this is the hmm. database that the healthcare system uses to basically manage the entire process of care. And what ended up being the case was the build of the electronic health record for an emergency department room was drastically different than the electronic health record for a prep and recovery room. Oh, I bet. And the health record could not coexist. They, they couldn't count you know, room 402 as both an ED room or a prep and recovery room. And so the entire project had to be delayed while we figured out this, essentially this virtual problem in technology. Hmm. And what we learned, the lesson learned there was we needed to look at those issues a year in advance of when we did. And activation planning and the operational aspects of really finding those gaps is incredibly valuable and a major component to determining project success. Nobody likes surprises when you're trying to open a project, and and that would be a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Any final thoughts or comments on BWBR Plus? One of the conclusions that I would hope to communicate is that these projects are more than design and construction, and that taking a longer, closer look at the people and processes involved in the projects and how architects can be more assistive to that can be a great benefit to our clients. And when I was sitting on the side of the table as a facility director, um, planning, design, construction representative, I needed so much help. And I needed that help way before there was a project to even determine and help make decisions and recommendations to senior administration so that we're making really good and well-informed decisions. These buildings are incredibly complex. These healthcare facilities, science and technology facilities, higher education facilities are really expensive. And the people that use them and the customers, whether they be patients, students, or the consumers of the, the, the products made in the science and technology business, it's incredibly expensive for them. So I take it incredibly to heart and, and I take it really seriously to understand the expectations put upon us to make really good decisions. So just communicating that this is a, a process to make and help our clients make more informed, better decisions, I think is incredibly valuable. Absolutely, it is. And and if anyone is listening to this and they're struggling with or um, running into challenges that Brandon and Jason have been talking about, reach out to us or give Brandon a, a call or email him. Brandon, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? So email, always a good option. That's uh, bking, B-K-I-N-G at bwbr.com. And Jason, how about you for healthcare specific questions? Yeah, anybody can reach out to me. It's mm-hmm. jnordling at bwbr.com. So J-N-O-R-D-L-I-N-G at bwbr.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for talking to us about BWBR Plus today. That was a nice deep dive. And just so you know, all of our content is provided to you free of charge with no annoying advertising involved. So if you like what you hear, do us a favor and share it with your network. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. And... Let us know what you think about this or any other discussion you've heard. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Bye.